Welcome back to the Catching Feelings Podcast. See, we're exciting. Welcome back to the Catching Feelings Podcast. Okay. It's been so long since we've done a podcast, so I feel really rusty right now. <laughs> no, it's because we've tried to film a few episodes, but they didn't have a clear layout of what we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it just ended up not being anything good also i must say when we're on zoom it's a lot harder to flow our conversation just because i'm i'm looking at myself the whole time and i'm just thinking about how we're lagging yeah so it's hard to concentrate on the podcast no the problem with zoom was that it is a little delayed so i would still be talking and then you would like try and jump in but i'm still talking (laughs) yeah we would just keep cutting each other (laughs) off um anyway so Micah was gone for the past three weeks. He was at Driveline Baseball in Kent, Washington. Yes, sir. (laughs) Tell us about your experiences there. All right. I think we already explained a lot about Driveline, but you can say what happened. Yeah. Well, this was my second time going there. So I think I said this before, but I kind of already knew a lot of stuff. So that made it easier going the second time around to kind of just get after it from the get-go but the experience was a little different than last year uh, because I felt like last year we did all of the driveline assessments and stuff but then we just kind of hit with no plan it was just training but this time around we did the assessments and then um, we had a one-on-one meeting with one of the driveline hitting coaches with like a clear specific plan of like what they want us to work on so I feel like I, I really got better these last three weeks I want to. I want you to talk about your hit design meeting a little bit. All right. Well, the first week of driveline is all assessments, basically. So uh, you'll do like a strength assessment, a uh, this thing called K vest, which probably nobody knows what that is, which is fine. And then, uh, <laughs> just a bunch of assessments yeah, to baseline I, everything on. Yeah, but basically, this, the assessments give you a good idea of where you are in comparison to other pro players. So you can kind of focus in on those the areas that you're weak at and improve those areas. Oh, nice. But the last day of assessments includes a athlete meeting, which is a one-on-one meeting with a hitting coach and a strength coach from driveline. And that includes um, going over your, your numbers from your assessments and also a swing design session. So the swing design will be just you one-on-one with a hitting coach at driveline and trying to hone in the areas you think they think you can improve on. And then you get to work the next day one-on-one with a coach, right? Yeah. But you only get one swing design day, so you really got to go in ready to learn on that swing design session and then remember everything and apply it for the next or however long you're there for. Do you, I feel like that was the biggest thing that you did this past time at Driveline. Yeah. Like that changed the most for you yeah for sure because that that athlete meeting is so much information in like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. so that first the first year i went it was so hard to like take all that information in and then try and apply it because i didn't even know what half the stuff was but now that i know it and i understood what they were talking about in the athlete meeting it made it a lot easier to apply it to my swing design nice that's awesome. We we definitely have to talk a little bit more about hitting another day, but just do like a full on hitting episode and then not bore the people that listen to us yeah. for other purposes. But anyway, that's a cool experience and I'm glad that you feel like you learned a lot. Yeah. 
Also, Micah just now showed me a comparison of his swing the first week there and his swing right before he left. And the difference is actually huge. Like, it's really good. Yeah. So, it looks so good, too. Yeah. His swing looks so good. And um, last season, during the season, the hardest hit ball I had in a game was like 102.7 miles per hour. Uh-huh. But at driveline, the third week, I PR'd at 106. Wow. That's good. So, I mean, I got a lot stronger this offseason. Yeah. So that's definitely part of it. Yeah. But I do think the swing design helped with that also. That's really good. It's funny because if I just watched the first week's video, I'm like, oh, your swing looks so good. But then when you compare it to the last week, you're like, whoa, that looks really good. Yeah. So I think it's important to see where you are in comparison to the other players so that you have that goal to reach for. No, actually, that's interesting because before I went to driveline, I wrote down a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask. Uh-huh. And one of those questions I wanted to ask um, Shohei Otani's hitting coach, like, what did he work on? Uh-huh. Because Shohei obviously, like, is a big, strong guy, so, like, he doesn't need to get stronger. But his hitting coach just flat out said, like, yeah, his swing sucked before. <laughs> So he showed me a before and after video of Shohei's swing, mm-hmm. and it's like astronomically different. Wow! And so you just worked on similar things that he did? No, I just, I was just curious to know what Shohei trained. Mm. That's something good about you. You just gotta learn from the best. Yeah. Like he's he is the best this year, so it's good to learn from the best. Yeah. Also, well, without getting too much into the hitting, like a big part of what they want me to do is like pull the ball more uh-huh. because I hit a lot of balls last season, like, like 95 miles per hour or harder. That probably should have been home runs if I pulled it more. But the problem is like I'm hitting it to center field. Mm-hmm. So it's just like an easy out. But if I pull it more, then it'll be home runs. That's interesting because usually most guys can only pull the ball. So um, more about Shohei. Yeah. Shohei was there last year when I went, and then he was back again this time. But this time, he's the MVP, so... he's like a major celebrity now. Yeah. I remember last year, he was just starting to pick up hype, but only the Asian community and people who are really into baseball, maybe Angels fans, knew who he was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but... But now he's the MVP. Yeah, he came back a completely different person. Yeah. Fun story about Shohei. (laughs) I have a bunch of stories about him, actually. So he has a translator whose name is Ipe. And I noticed that Shohei wears the same outfit every single day to driveline. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why is this guy wearing the same clothes? Like, does he just have multiple of the same shirt and the same pants? But his hitting coach, Shohei's hitting coach, told me that when Shohei and Ipe get home, he makes Ipe do his laundry every single day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So he's just washing the same clothes every day and wearing the same thing. Just kind of tight. Wow, interesting. Is, is that a Japanese thing? Interesting for a guy who could probably who probably gets sent clothes all the time. Yeah, like he probably gets a lot of free clothes, and he can afford to buy whatever training clothes he wants. I don't know. Interesting. Simple man. You don't want to change too much about your routine, I guess. Yeah, maybe it's a superstitious thing yeah. for him. I also heard that picking out an outfit in the morning rather than thinking about it ahead of time the night before actually puts stress on your brain oh really so maybe just being able to throw on the same thing every day 
frees up some brain space for yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So that he can absorb more information. I don't know. Another fun story about Shohei. So the cool thing about driveline is that you're able to take live at bats against the pitchers in the batting cages, of course. But this actually happened last year when I was there. So Shohei was throwing a live BP and a bunch of our Phillies guys were hitting against him. So he struck out like the first three batters and nobody even fouled off the ball. Nobody touched the ball. And then finally the fourth batter goes in and Louie only fouls one off, like fouls it straight back. And then Shohei went from throwing 90 to 92. And then after the guy fouled it off, he was throwing 98 after that. (laughs) It's like, no one is touching this ball. Yeah. Was he throwing like off speed too, or he's just... No, literally only fastballs. Wow, that's crazy. And no one could touch it, even though it was 90-92. Yeah. Okay, last story about Shohei. Last story about (laughs) Shohei. So we went into the cages one day, and we noticed on the hit tracks that... Somebody hit a ball 111 miles per hour. So we were like, whoa, that's super hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who hit that? And they said Shohei hit that. And we're like, wow, that's so good. And then they said, off the tee. <laughs> and we're like, what? He hit a ball 111 off the tee? It actually sounds impossible. The hardest ball I hit at driveline was 106. And that was off a 95 mile per hour machine. <laughs> yeah, that's just like crazy. I don't know. He's a freak of a, he's a freak of an athlete. Really though. Okay, moving forward. Oh, actually, this is really off topic. But before we get started with the rest of the episode, I want to bring up something that I came across while you're gone. Okay. Yeah. So the other day I was going through my Google Photos because I don't know if you saw, it, but I made a TikTok of us. Did you? No, see I it? didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I did. It's one of those cute ones where you show some recent pictures of you together and then some really old pictures of you together okay so i made that so i was going through my google photos to try to find some older pictures of us and then i came across like sophomore year which is basically i only had a bunch of screenshots that you sent to me through snapchat Uh uh-huh because you would send me stuff every morning and i would screenshot it every morning so from sophomore year and then i unlocked a core memory Okay. Of the fish. The fish? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Okay, your mind is going to be blown. Okay, so when we were sophomores, it was my best friend Carrie's birthday, and we didn't know what to get her. Okay, so I already know what this is So we decided to go to the pet store and buy her a fish. Okay, so... We went to Petland in Kohala and got her one of those beta fish, like a fighting fish. And we got a nice tank and food, like the whole package. And then so her birthday is coming around and we we're going to give her this fish as her gift. I don't know why. We just <laughs> thought it would be a good idea. We just thought it was funny to give her a fish. Yeah. And then like last minute, Micah's like, mm, I don't think I want to give up the fish. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, I think we should keep the fish. Like, he grew an attachment to the fish, and then he didn't want to give it away. Yeah. So we ended up keeping the fish, and it survived, like, a year before it died. Yeah, actually, I remember that now. Yeah, and every morning, or not every morning, but every once in a while, I'd come over to your house and visit the fish that we never gave to Carrie for her birthday. I think I ended up giving Carrie just, like, a pack pack of gum. gum. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
it's anyway, all gift. I didn't remember that story until I came across that. <laughs> no, that's because we, we were going to go to a restaurant or somewhere for Carrie's birthday. It was at like a hotel, right? Oh, yeah. Somewhere really nice. Yeah. And I was doing all the favors and, and then, centerpieces for her birthday, so we weren't going to get her a gift. No, but then I didn't want to bring the fish, like drive the fish there. It was like so hard to get a fish in a car and like drive it there without sloshing around. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to keep, keep the fish. fish. Yeah. And then on the way to the restaurant, then I stopped at the store and bought her some gum. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically it. Okay, so... Mike is back now from driveline, and you leave when? February 13th. Oh, the 13th? Yep, okay, I already yeah. got my flight. So, third Valentine's Day in a row that you will be missing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, what are you heading up for? On my flight to driveline, I missed a call from our farm director, so I called him back, and then I thought it was just going to be like, a, hey man, like how's driveline going? Yeah. But he invited me to minicamp which is uh takes place before spring training happens so it's a invite only small group of guys minor leaguers that just have like a couple extra weeks of spring training before it happens so we can kind of get our feet going get our feet wet before real spring training happens get Maybe a head start he's a fan of the pod because yeah, i doubt it we mentioned before <laughs> that you're someone who takes a while to get into the groove of things so in the past years when you've gone up early it's actually been really beneficial for you because by the time everyone gets there you're already warmed up and ready to go yeah so maybe he took that into account because he's a fan of the catching feelings podcast (laughs) and he was listening he's like micah needs to be here early so he's like i'm gonna give him a call yeah (laughs) i'm sure he totally listens yeah (laughs) um anyway anyway, well the cool thing about minicamp usually is that it takes place the same time as major league spring training so like you can practice with the big leaguers sometimes and then like travel with the team to the games um so i did that in 2020 before we got shut down for covid right but since there's the mlb lockout then who knows when major league spring training is going to start yeah so minicamp will probably just be only minor leaguers so many things are up in the air because of the lockout yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens though which is kind of bummers because it's cool to like you feel like you're part of the major league team but yeah and it's cool to like be around all of them yeah but that's okay at least you'll the coaches will still be there yeah traveling with uh, the major league team for spring training i probably went to like five games uh-huh. in 2020 all on the road and um i don't know it's a completely different experience than traveling uh in minor league ball is it more serious yeah well the well first no it's just like the you get the big league treatment even though you're not in in the big leagues Uh. so like after the game i remember right when the game ended they're like okay the bus is leaving in 30 minutes so everybody gets in the shower and then you pack your bags but as soon as you pack your bags like the clubbies will pick it up and put it on the bus for you Oh, like you don't have to carry your own bags onto yeah. the bus. You just got to pack it up and the clubbies will throw it on the bus. Wow. And like, I remember uh, once we finally got on the bus, after everybody showered and ate and stuff, then we had like a police escort to get onto the freeway. Whoa. Or like get out of the stadium. Wow. I was like, wow, this is this is what it's like. That's crazy. Was the bus nicer? No, same bus. Oh, same bus. <laughs> Tour bus. Nice. Every time. Actually, that's actually crazy because in high school, you take like school buses with yeah. like no AC. Mm-hmm. So you have to like roll on the windows, which sucks. Mm-hmm. 
But even in rookie ball, like, we're still traveling in the nice buses. Yeah. Well, sometimes in high school, we would go on the nice bus. Yeah. Well, it's actually a good thing that I'm a catcher because teams always need a lot of catchers because you don't want to... Have pitchers that need to throw no catchers. Yeah. And especially early in the year, like in spring training. Yeah. You don't want your catchers to be catching like five bullpens every single day. Right. One of the perks of being a catcher is you get invited to a lot of stuff. Right, right. Okay, so the dilemma we're kind of going through right now is back in 2020, Micah had a perm. (laughs) He grew out his hair pretty long and I permed it. And when he wore his hat, it actually looked really good. Like a full-on baseball player look. Well, my hair got really long because of covid so like there was no baseball and like nowhere to go so i was just in my house all day mm-hmm. and i was like you know what? i'm just gonna let my hair go as long as possible yeah and then we permed it and it ended up looking really good and now that it's the new season his hair is pretty long again because i don't think you cut it since instructs yeah right? i haven't had a haircut for like four months yeah so it's back to a really good length it's probably permeable at this point but we're going back and forth between the clean look and like the beast look you know <laughs> it's not the beast look. <laughs> it's the clean look or the long hair look yeah but i think we're leaning towards the clean look it's it's more your brand yeah for sure yeah what was the reasoning that you told me okay well first of all the phillies are a pretty like old school organization mm-hmm. and like there's no set rules on hair or facial hair or any of that stuff right but the main thing is they want you to look professional. And, like, I think the easiest way to do that is just to get a clean haircut. Yeah. Rather than worry about having long hair. Because when you have long hair, you're kind of, like, there's there's a gray line of, like... Messy. Does it or... look messy or do I look cool? Yeah, you know? true. Also, if you look at the best, like, the number one prospects in the minor leagues for Phillies, they all kind of have the same clean look. Yeah, exactly. And, um... But it's also confusing because, like, Bryce Harper is our poster boy, right? Poster boy of the Phillies. Right. He's a little and he has long hair all the time. Yeah. And he has a long beard. Yeah. But he's also Bryce Harper, and I'm not Bryce Harper. Yeah. So. He's a little bit of an exception. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think I've decided to just get a haircut. Yeah. I, we're leaning towards haircut? Yeah, for sure. Weird, as if it's my hair, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, also, um, I think... Okay, let's say I perm my hair now. Yeah. Then I'm going to have to get a haircut at some point during the season. Yeah. Because if not, it's just going to get really ridiculously long. Yeah. But then it's like, how do you get a haircut on a perm? Well... Because you're going to cut all the curl off. My brother does it all the time. And they actually do a really good job of just trimming it. Uh, um, what was the advice, though, that you're going based on? Yeah. Well, when I used to play summer ball in high school, our summer ball coach would tell us that we had to shave our face and we had to have a... a clean haircut because his reasoning was that you want to look as young as possible for college coaches because um i feel like the younger you look then it shows you're not like completely matured yet yeah like you still have room to fill out and mature and stuff like potential yeah and i feel like the same applies for pro ball still like you want to be young because basically your career is defined by your age and once you reach a certain age then it's like okay this guy's on his last leg you know yeah like he's not really gonna get much better than this yeah so i don't want to look that age yeah and be four years younger and then they're like they look at me and they're like oh this guy is really old but i'm actually like 21 still true and that's something i told you i admire about you is because you always 
make the tough decisions for yourself yeah like you always end up making the right decision even if it's the hard one yeah if it's gonna better your career and i actually had a i had one of my coaches in pro ball tell me one time um the phillies talk a lot about being professional which is hard for a lot of these kids because we get drafted out of high school so like there's literally 17 and 18 year old kids playing professional baseball yeah so we talk a lot about what it, what it means to be a pro. And one of the things that my coach told me was the best advice I've ever received about being a pro is to be a pro. But it's more than just a haircut, though. Like, yeah. you have to dress the right way and, like, carry yourself the correct way. Right. Even about treating other people. Right. Like, your relationship with the coaches and the clubbies and the staff. Yeah, for sure. Just be a pro. Yeah, just be professional about everything. Yeah. Especially because you haven't made it yet and you're not like the first rounder. Yeah. You can't just do whatever you want. And also if I look up the system to like the guys ahead of me who are like on our prospect list and like close to reaching the major leagues, if you just look at the way that those guys dress and like how they looked and the way they walk around, there's definitely a little bit of something different that they do compared to like the rest of the normal people and you look at these guys and they're still in the minor leagues but you're like wow he's a professional you know mm-hmm. and there's definitely a d- disconnect between the professionals and the non-professionals yeah so that's good so well also one of the phillies rules is we're not allowed to wear hats in the weight room so if i had long hair then my only option would be a headband in the weight room mm-hmm. but then like you're going in and out from the weight room all day long right to like get snacks or whatever so it wouldn't be practical Yeah, for it's you. not practical. Yeah. It's just easier to have short hair. Yeah. The only thing that sucks about having short hair is you got to get a haircut all the time. Right. And then if you do let it grow out a little bit too long, it looks messy. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe we should just buzz it all off. I know. JT has a buzzed head. He does. And he looks huge. Yeah. I did one time try to buzz Micah's hair and it was actually pretty tragic. I thought it would be easy, but it was not easy at all. Yeah, there's definitely skill to it. Because I tried to give you, like, a fade, kind of. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot harder than all over the place. It was really patchy. But yeah. I think it was still better than your Supercuts haircut. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I was so confident, too. I was like, this is going to be so easy. Like, all I have to do is put the guard on and go over your whole head. Okay. I've been seeing this on TikTok. Yeah. Okay, this is the problem with girls. Okay. With Tell girl me. With girlfriends. Tell me. Is, like, for example... You're going to give me a haircut, right? Uh We've already decided that. Right. Did you watch like a YouTube video or like a how-to cut hair before you cut my hair? (laughs) I don't think so. I figured that I would just know how. Oh my gosh. This is the problem. See, (laughs) if I was going to cut your hair, I would obviously watch a YouTube video before. Yes, 100%. (laughs) I watch a YouTube video for everything. (laughs) How to cut my toenails, like YouTube video. No. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I was really confident. So I thought I'd be able <laughs> to do it. I wish we had those images to pull up. Yeah. It was a progression. I think it took like an hour. Yeah. But then it ended up being pretty good. The longest buzz cut ever. I just like walking around and people are like, oh, you got a haircut. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to add more about being a professional. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So these guys in the MLB, they have a lot of money, right? Uh Uh-huh. So they're buying, like, Louis Vuitton clothes and backpacks, like, Gucci, whatever. Right. And, like, 
I see a lot of that stuff because I see the big leaguers, right? Mm-hmm. In person. And it's, like, so tempting to, like, buy a Louis Vuitton backpack or something. Right. But you don't have to buy expensive stuff to be professional. Oh, that's what you, that's the conclusion you came to? Yeah. I mean, I wear a lot of Lululemon, which is, like, pretty expensive still. But yeah. I'm not spending thousands of dollars on clothes. Right. But some of these, like, kids in rookie ball and stuff, they're walking around with $3,000 backpacks on. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> because once you get access to your signing bonus, for a lot of kids, I mean, for any 17-year-old, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot to manage. Oh. When I left Driveline... I said bye to all the coaches that helped me and stuff. And I told them all that I'll be back next offseason. Yeah. Because you're going to go to Washington. So I guess I have to go back. Oh, what month are you planning to be back there? Um, Do you think I'm not it's... sure. Okay, so for someone who wants to visit Driveline, um, I know someone who told me that they have a friend who's going to Driveline in the summer for a week. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Just like high school kids, anyone who wants to go to driveline, is it worth it for a week, you think? I think one week is probably a little bit too short uh-huh. because it took us one week just to do the assessments. Uh, interesting. So like you need at least one extra week to actually work on the stuff that showed up in the assessments. Uh-huh. Um, but I went for three weeks, which isn't a lot of time either. But I got significantly better in just those three weeks. Right. And when I left, I told um, Ochart that I'll be back next offseason for like a few months. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, it's the best thing you could possibly do for your career because like look at how be- how much better you got in just these three weeks. Right. Imagine, Imagine if, if you, you spent stayed. three months. Like, right. You would get 10 times better than you did just in these three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's actually amazing how well their system works. Yeah. Big driveline fan. Especially being in Hawaii. You don't get to face professional pitchers whenever you want because there's only like a handful here. Yeah. But at Driveline, I got to face professional pitchers every week. Right. The only thing is for you, three weeks was enough because you use Driveline technology throughout the season. Like you already know what it's about. Yeah. And you study all the terminology and the analytics and stuff. Yeah. But for someone who's going in, like even if you've played baseball your whole life, Someone who's going in without ever touching driveline stuff, I don't think a week is going to be enough, right? Yeah, I don't think so either. But I know for I know driveline does um, online remote training, so I'm not sure how it's going to work for people who only want to go in person for one week. I'm guessing they'll go for a one week, do the assessments, and then do online training from home. Is what I would assume. Right. But. Uh, I'm not sure how the online training works. Like, do you just FaceTime your coach while you're hitting or something? Yeah, I don't know. Sense. But definitely after you tell me about all the different resources that you have there and just the way that you explain it too, how it all makes sense and works out, I feel like everyone should go to Driveline. Yeah. Like, that's so cool to get to do all of that. Okay, well, I, I think what makes Driveline special is, first off, the coaches have, like, a phenomenal eye for the swing. Mm-hmm. So, like, if my swing feels funky one day, I can just be like, hey, man, what do you see? Like, yeah. what am I doing? And they'll just give you one cue, and your next round is, like, off the charts. Wow. But, like, so that's one thing that makes them phenomenal. Um, also, the fact that 
the training environment in terms of like difficulty is like chaotic so like you're trying to work on your swing mechanics uh to a certain extent like it's not all about mechanics like it's about bat speed and all that kind of stuff too but like you're trying to work on swing mechanics off a 95 mile per hour machine so like if you can figure it out on 95 miles per hour then like you're gonna get way better way faster exactly versus trying to work on your swing like off a tee like mm-hmm. you're not gonna get that much better you know right right are most of your coaches like ex-baseball players or are they like science guys i know the person who started driveline did not play baseball well he might have been like high school but he definitely didn't play pro he just wanted to figure it out and i know the hitting driveline guy played like d3 baseball or something right but most of the guys never even played professional baseball they're just strictly going on science yeah um do you think but i I I actually listen to a driveline podcast yeah they have a driveline r&d podcast and like a lot of these hitting coaches out there make assumptions that like this will make you better because it worked for them uh but driveline is backed by like thousands and thousands of swings so like they know certain things work because they're able Mm -hmm. to track it that's the value of having the technology is like you can try things out and see what gives you the best outcomes right and then you have it all in a database so like you're able to look back and say like okay this worked let's do that it's based on fact and actual numbers rather than just feeling yeah do you think driveline is for everyone though or can only a certain type of learner benefit from driveline i think it's good for everyone but you have to be really open-minded to these guys like i know a lot of players who look at these driveline coaches and they're like these guys never played professional baseball like why should i listen to them mm-hmm. but you should listen to them because like i just said they're not think they're not telling you what they think is best they're telling you they're what... telling you what works because it's backed by thousands of swings right that are that have been tracked so they know what works right I think the major disconnect for driveline and certain players is just the terminology is so overwhelming. All the numbers and terminology. For you, you're that type of learner where you can take a bunch of information and translate it really well to your actions. But most people, they do need that just like one keyword. Mm-hmm. And they need someone to explain it to them in simpler terms. Yeah. So. But when I went through my swing design, and I was trying to work on swing mechanics. Yeah. Then the hitting coach I was working with was just throwing out a bunch of cues and trying to find what sticks because one of the things I was working on was like using my hips more. So like he would tell me like just rotate my hips and I couldn't feel it. So then he would tell me what he's trying to get me to do in a different phrase. Ah. So he would say like turn your hips back and then that clicked for me. Mm, interesting. So like it's all about finding the cues because one cue might work for one thing like one person yeah. and it might not work for me and i think another common misconception about driveline is that people always say when i'm trying to face 95 97 i'm not thinking about what launch angle degree i'm going to swing at right but i think it's so good that the coaches can try all these different cues because you really only have a fraction of a second to think about it yeah so you only really need to be thinking about one thing when you're in the box but i think that's where that's where repetition comes in so like in your practice design if you're able to dial in the swing that you want over and over and over when you get in the game then it's just muscle memory right but yeah for all you listeners out there i highly recommend following driveline baseball on twitter 
and following all of the hitting coaches or pitching coaches if you're a pitcher because even if you don't understand the information that they're posting I think it's still a good read and it's totally useful because I read some of the articles and I still don't understand what they're talking about sometimes Mm -hmm. but it's good stuff yeah and plus the whole thing about being an athlete is being a student right like yeah being able to take all this information all these different opinions and data out there and then figure out what works for you i think being closed-minded is going to be the downfall yeah of many athletes one of the things i've learned is you're never as good as you think mm-hmm. so like i had a huge off season i gained 15 pounds like got way stronger when I went to driveline, like, I hit a bunch of PRs, like, exit field PRs, distance PRs, but I still feel like I'm not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I could be so much better. Yeah. So that's the main thing is, like, you're never as good as you think you are. Right. Gotta keep chasing. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap it up? Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Catching Feelings podcast. Don't forget to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And share with your friends. And if you guys have any special requests for a guest, please let us know. Mm-hmm. And questions or topic ideas. Okay, bye. Bye.